Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 211 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. This episode goes live on the first Tuesday of 2021. I know last year was a tough year for many of us. May 2021 be an extraordinary one. I hope that every day of the new year inspire you to grow and find excitement and novelty and joy in your life. As you guys know, I'm a big fan of novelty and cultivating excitement in the bedroom. So if your goal this year is to spice things up in your bedroom, I have a gift for you. Few months ago, I curated a list of 101 ways to spice up your relationship. This list is divided in three categories based on how adventurous that you want to get with your partner. It's completely free. You can download it from the link in the show notes. Today, we will continue our conversation about orgasms. This is part of our orgasm series and the last episode in this series. We focus our conversation toward male struggles with achieving orgasms. We had several episodes on how to tackle premature ejaculation. And this episode, we're focusing on helping and giving you guys ideas if you're struggling with delayed ejaculation. Our guest today is Michael Castleman. He's the author of Sizzling Sex for Life. A few months ago, I got an advanced copy of his book, and I was amazed with the wealth of the knowledge in the book. That's why I, I reached out to him and said, whenever your book, you're launching your book, I would love to have you in the show. And Michael is launching his, releasing his book this week. So that's why we're releasing this episode now. Michael has been the forefront of health, wellness, and sexuality journalism for almost 50 years. His two previous sexuality guides, Sexual Solutions and Great Sex, have sold more than 600,000 copies. His 12 other books on optimal health, mainstream medicine, alternative therapies, nutrition and fitness have sold more than 1.5 million copies. For the past 15 years, Michael's writing has focused almost exclusively on sexuality, sex research, and sex therapy. His twice monthly blog on psychologytoday.com, All About Sex, launched in 2009, attracts more than 700,000 views a month, with total views topping 50 millions. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Michael Castleman. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have Michael Castleman on our show. Michael, welcome to our show. Azanine, thank you for having me on. 
I am very excited about this interview. I know I, I just shared with you how much I loved your book. And I talk about it with our listeners at the beginning of the this episode. I felt it was tons of great materials in it. And it was very comprehensive. Since in this episode, we are as part of our orgasm series. And I think we, we haven't talked about male struggles with orgasm. We had like, we have over 200 episodes and we haven't addressed it. So I think it's fabulous for us to focus on it today. So tell us how common are orgasm challenges for men? Well, there are two orgasm challenges for men. One is coming too soon, premature ejaculation, and the other is not coming at all or difficulty coming. And uh, premature ejaculation is men's number one sex problem throughout the lifespan. Erection difficulties get more press, but erection difficulties are rare in men under 50. But throughout the lifespan, from the teen years through late life, about a quarter of men have struggled with premature ejaculation. And so that's the men's leading sex problem in life. Fortunately, it's uh, in 90% of the cases, it's pretty easy to cure with the uh, fairly simple sex therapy program. The other issue with orgasm is men having trouble coming at all which is kind of men's secret sex problem. It's never discussed. It's rarely, you see very little press about it. I mean, I write about it, but not too many other people do. And the best research suggests that about 10% of men have this problem at some point in their lives. But it too is uh, almost always fairly uh, easily resolved. Well, it's wonderful to hear that it's fairly easily resolved because when I think about kind of early ejaculation, I think like we, when you go through sex therapy training, there are very specific techniques that therapists learn to address. And it was my experience that addressing struggles with experiencing orgasm, delayed ejaculation, the procedures and the protocol wasn't as clear. So I'm so grateful for you to address this and you're talking about this. And one concern that sometimes people have is, is it possible for women, it's easier to fake orgasm? But how is it for men? Is that is it a real thing? Well, it's funny because uh, men do fake orgasm too. <laughs> and it's a lot easier for women since it's all very internal. And orgasm for men almost always involves ejaculation, and you can't fake that. So when the researchers started turning up evidence that men fake orgasm, and it's not that common, but it's not at all rare, the question was, well, how do you do that? What do you tell the woman? And so uh, what happens is that men who can't come often use condoms, and then they don't come into the condom Sex is over. They pull the condom off. They throw it away and they tell the woman, you know, it went down the toilet. Or the surprising way that this works out is that a large proportion of couples make love drunk. And when people are drunk, the, the woman often forgets to ask or doesn't notice or the guy says, oh, when I'm drinking, I don't come that much. And it's sort of just you know, passes by and it's over. But uh, it's alcohol use that is often the cover-up 
for uh, men who uh, have difficulty uh, with orgasm. I, I didn't think about those scenarios. And in those situations, absolutely makes sense because, as you said, that most of the time, in my mind, with male orgasm, ejaculation is part of it. So I was curious how can not one notice that. And, you know, one thing that I might be completely wrong, and I hear a lot of information about it online, is about men who are having orgasms that does not include ejaculation. Is, is that a real thing? That can happen too, yes. The most common cause of men having orgasms without ejaculation is older men who have had prostate surgery for a benign prostate enlargement. That surgery changes the way men ejaculate so that instead of ejaculating out of the penis, they sort of backfire into the bladder. And they still produce semen, but because their prostate has been reamed out, it doesn't leave through the penis. It goes into the bladder and then is passed out of the body during urination. So that's the main one way it works out. The other thing is that it's important to realize that the nerves that control ejaculation and orgasm are different. So you can have orgasm without ejaculation. And in Eastern disciplines, meditative disciplines, this is something that yogis strive for. I've tried it, and I can't seem to get the hang of it myself, but one hears that it is possible to have orgasm without ejaculation. It's also possible to ejaculate without feeling much. It's known as numb cum, where the man does produce semen, but doesn't really feel particular pleasure. And that also is because the uh, nerves, the two sets of nerves are different, the ones for orgasm and the ones for ejaculation. Well, I, I, I was familiar with the kind of physiological causes that some, some lead some men after surgeries to struggle with ejaculating, but it's similar to what you describe. At times I see that in Eastern practices, yoga teachers talk about this mastery of being able to experience orgasm and not have ejaculation. And it was, it was always curious about that. And I was talking to my husband, he's a physician. I was like, honey, is this possible? <laughs> and he said, I haven't heard anyone doing it. So to me, I just, I'm always curious about that. So. Well, the people who um, practice tantric sexuality also claim that you can work up to, men can work up to uh, orgasm and not ejaculate. Uh, it's personally, I can't personally attest to it, but uh, I take their word for it. <laughs> well, when, when men are struggling with ejaculating, what are some of the contributing factors that might cause this issue for them when it's not some, that's not a skill that they want to have or cultivate? Does that make sense? Yeah, there are two main uh, causes of uh, non-ejaculation in men. The, the most common, and they're both about equally common from the research that I've read, the one is uh, use of antidepressant drugs, particularly the uh, SSRIs, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which include Prozac and Paxil, and that whole family of drugs cause a whole host of sexual side effects quite frequently. So if you take these drugs, you're re reasonably likely to uh, experience some sexual side effect. And one of the main ones is difficulty with orgasm or not coming at all. 
And so the other reason is the same reason that women have difficulty with, with orgasm, which is that they're not getting, the men are not getting the stimulation that they really need to get off. And this is, uh, uh, presents a real opportunity for couples to increase their intimacy and their closeness by the man explaining exactly what it does take to get him off. Because men who have trouble ejaculating, almost all of them can still come by themselves. They can still masturbate to orgasm. But in partner sex, they're not quite receiving the same kind of stimulation that they can provide themselves. And so the sex therapy program for this often involves the man showing the woman exactly how he masturbates. And a lot of men yank on their penises a lot more vigorously than most women would imagine they should do. And so as a result, a lot of times women don't provide the intensity of stimulation that a lot of men need. And once that's corrected, men can, the problem resolves. Well, what, one of the topics that I loved in your book that you talked about was sexual communication. Because one, one situation that times I notice in my clients that come to my practice is that when the, in a heterosexual relationship with the husband struggling with ejaculating and reaching orgasm and the wife and the part or female partner internalize it. She feels already right. that he doesn't find her attractive. That's the exactly. problem. So how do you recommend people to address that? Well, that's very common for uh, when the man has the problem, the woman immediately blames herself. And the cure, the way to resolve it is with initially with information saying, no, look, he finds you attractive. You ask the guy, are you attracted to your wife? Yes. Do you want to have sex with your wife? Yes. A lot of women still don't believe that. So the first thing is to say, believe your husband. He does love you. He wants to make love with you. And then to explain to them the physiology of this, that orgasm is not about love. Orgasm is not about the quality of the relationship. Orgasm is often about the quality of the sexual caresses you receive. And if you get the right ones, you can come whether you're in love with the person or not. So that type of explanation often really helps. And then in therapy, of course, Therapists also deal with any um, relationship issues that are also complicating this because relationship issues often provide a lot of static that make it difficult for people to see the path ahead of them. But that's the difference between what I do and what you do. You're a therapist and I'm a journalist. Well, I think your book was also full of wonderful suggestions and hands-on strategies. Thank you for, for all of that. And I, I think we need to frame, say, frame the saying that it's about the quality of caresses, not the relationship. Because at times I feel even some of my female clients, they feel very insecure about their body, how their body changes. Like at times it's hard to kind of accept that 
your partner or their partner is finding them attractive. And I think the other piece of it is that kind of at times people feel, okay, I'm not a good lover because I'm not able to give my partner the particular touch that they want. But no one is a mind reader. It's just right. a matter of like learning, maybe observing your partner, what they do and what they need and just copying that and following, following that instruction. Right. Yes. The uh, people blame themselves for the partner's problem. Women blame themselves. Men blame themselves. When, when women have trouble with orgasm, they, you know, oh, my God, I'm a lousy lover. And it's not a question of being a lousy lover. It's a question of just often not having the information, the fundamental skills, and that uh, the realization that making is not just about genital touch. Love making is really about whole body massage from head to toe for at least 20 minutes before anybody reaches between anybody else's legs. And the body needs to prepare. You need to prepare your genitals to become aroused. And so if you do whole body massage for a nice long time with kissing and hugging and rolling around and laughter and fun, then by the time that there's people work down to genital touch, it's easier to have genital arousal. And if there's a problem with ejaculation, particularly in men, I often suggest that the guy take the woman's hand, put it on his erection, and then put his hand over hers and show her exactly how he needs to be stroked to get off. And so that allows the woman to uh, give the man a hand job to orgasm. And then the couple works on oral sex to orgasm. And then the couple works on intercourse to orgasm too. And the other trick that often works is that a lot of men say, oh, I, I don't feel enough stimulation when I'm inside her. When, I'm on, when we're having intercourse, She's her vagina is loose. It's too wet. It's this, it's that. Often what helps is if the woman is on her back and the man is on top of her, the usual intercourse position is that her legs are spread wide. If a man is having trouble with ejaculation, what often works is the man inserts and then lifts himself up a little bit so that the woman can close her legs and then her thighs give his, the shaft of his uh, erection extra stimulation, and that often helps too. Well, what a great suggestion. And I hear that many of these recommendations is something that people can practice between, between themselves. And these are kind of like a tactics they can apply because sometimes people think, okay, I'm broken. This is never going to change. But you're right at times, even with some minor adjustment, the issue can get resolved. One of our listeners sent us an email actually last week, and he was saying that he's a sex worker. He's doing cameras and all of that. And he was saying that because of his work, he feels that he developed struggled with being kind of like the struggle with delayed ejaculation. Is that a possibility? Yes. When, when men see themselves as delivery boys, delivering pleasure to women, they lose track of their own arousal process and, the, and what they need to come. And so the delivery boy syndrome has been well documented in sex research. Orgasm, people talk about giving orgasms to their lover. Actually, nobody gives an orgasm to anybody else. Lovers create the context in which we bring orgasm forth from deep within ourselves. It's like comedians don't make you laugh. 
comedians can say funny things, but you make yourself laugh. And laughter wells up from deep inside you when the context is right. The same thing with orgasm. Lovers should talk to each other and discuss what kinds of caresses they like. But having an orgasm is your own responsibility. And that's why the classic book on the subject for women is uh, For Yourself by Lonnie Barback from the 1970s, which was the first book that really addressed what at the time was an absolute epidemic of women not coming, in part because men were so clueless about women's sexuality, but also because women didn't understand how to self-sex and pleasure themselves. And so that book uh, was a revelation to me uh, 40, 50 years ago, and it still holds true today. You do it, you bring orgasm forth from yourself for yourself. And I think that's such an important message. And we had Loni in the show, and I love her. And I think you're right that the, the books on her writing transform our understanding of female sexuality, at least definitely for me. So I think that's that was very powerful. And I, I love this, this kind of struggles of delivery person and kind of like being in this performance mode that I think almost half of the struggle that I see in my male clients is, is stem in that, kind of like not focusing, not being grounded on what you like versus how, how are you supposed to show up? Right. Well, men, you know, classically men took sex from women. Sex was something that men did to women. They took it from women. They conquered women, all those metaphors. And a lot of sensitive men of the 20, late 20th and 21st century, men trying to be more sensitive, saying, I don't want to take sex from her. I want to give it to her. I want to provide for her. And so on the one hand, that's gracious and generous and kind and good. On the other hand, it can misunderstand the way lovemaking works that, yes, you give every it's a give and take. It's not all give. It's not all take. So each person has to give and take. And in that interplay is where people actually make love and and, and work up to orgasm. And I think it's important to understand your sexuality might evolve and your partner's sexuality might evolve in the long-term relationship. And it's important to almost update yourself and each other's like and dislike, I feel like every year in a way, so you can grow together. So Yes. Sex is always changing. I mean, uh, you know, uh, as people get older, I've been with the same my wife and I have been together almost 50 years. Oh, wow. And so we started out very young, two kids, really. And now we're two grandparents. Of course, sex changes. Everything changes. I mean, uh, tastes in food change, tastes in clothing change, tastes in where you want to, the movies you want to see, the vacations you want to have. And sex changes too. It, it definitely evolves. And of course, people should check in and keep up, keep each other informed. But the problem is that sex is difficult to talk about. And so most people don't. They get into a little groove that works when they're X years old and t- 20 years later, they're still doing exactly the same thing, which may actually still work, but often doesn't. And I like your suggestion to uh, check in with your lover about, you know, the caresses you want and don't want annually, you know, and, and if people make a ritual of it, like on your anniversary, for example, is a perfect time to do this. It's our anniversary. We're going to celebrate our relationship and let's update each other on how we're feeling about our lovemaking. I think I love that suggestion. 
Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> and I love that having a part of having it being part of some specific date. So you, you can do that on a regular basis. I think that's also very uh, important. I can imagine meaningful for, for people who are in long-term relationships. So is there anything that you, you want our listeners to know when it comes to addressing this issue? Well, like I said in, initially, uh, the two main causes are antidepressant and wrong caresses. So if you are uh, taking antidepressants, my suggestion is visit your prescribing physician, report the problem, and then ask if you can switch to the drug known as Wellbutrin. Uh, the uh, generic name is Bupropion, and the um, brand name is Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin is not an SSRI. It's related to the SSRIs, but it's a different molecule. And as a result, it is as effective as Paxil and Prozac as far as mood elevation is concerned, but it's much less likely to cause sexual side effects. And a lot of doctors don't really know that, and people, the public doesn't know it. So if, you're, if it's a drug-related problem, Wellbutrin can usually help it. And if it's not drug-related, then... I would urge people to read the chapter in my book, Sizzling Sex for Life, that uh, deals with ejaculation problems in men. And it also has a chapter on orgasm issues for women. So it doesn't matter which gender you are. If you're having trouble with orgasm, I think the information in my book will be a good place to start. And then if you need help beyond that, I would urge people to see a sex therapist because sex therapists can usually help resolve things. What do you think about using toys? Uh, there are tons of great sex tech kind of like instruments and tools that people can use. Is there any specific ones that you've noticed it can be helpful with that issue? Well, to the extent that orgasm difficulties generally uh, have to do with not receiving the caresses that are sufficient to bring you off, then uh, toys open up infinite possibilities for new kinds of caresses. So, for example, women, it's a rare woman who can't find a vibrator that brings her to orgasm. I mean, almost every woman, if you try a dozen different vibrators, there'll be several that, that work. And uh, for men, sex toys can also help. There are vibrating penis sleeves. Uh, there are bullet vibrators can uh, be pressed against the head of the penis or the shaft of the penis. So, yes, vibrating sex toys are often a boon for people who uh, need help with uh, orgasm. Well, I also highly, highly recommend your book. I know that when when you graciously shared with me a copy of the book and I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this can be a series of different books. And you wanted to have all of it together. So it would be a comprehensive guide for, for men. And I, I, as a female, being in a heterosexual relationship, found it very, very useful because I feel when it comes to male sexuality, I can name maybe few books that that's very useful, but not that much. And I can name like maybe more than 20 books about women's sexuality. So I right. think this is definitely a very unique book. So tell us more about that. How did you decide to write about it? And when is it going to get released? Well, the book is called Sizzling Sex for Life. 
And it is really the first book that I'm aware of that uh, is a truly comprehensive guide to sex throughout the lifespan, from cradle to grave, from the sexual implications of male circumcision to the growing phenomenon of sex in nursing homes and everything in between. And all the sex problems and, and sex issues that people face throughout life. And it's true that just about every chapter in my book, whole books have been written about that. But the problem is that, you know, who wants to have a, a library of 50 sex books? I mean, my book has 52 chapters, and each one of them, I feel like, is I tried to have a, an entirely evidence-based introduction to that issue to give people a good background in, in it. And so there's all kinds of, you know, things, for example, women's sexual pain. There's no books for men about women's sexual pain. I've written for about male sexuality, and I've written for men for over 40 years. And I agree with you. There's all kinds of sex resources for women. There are a lot fewer for men. And being a man myself, and I've struggled with all of the issues that the sex issues that men have. And I've tried to present an evidence-based, comprehensive look at it. And in fact, my book, I use 2,500 studies to compile my book. So I think it's the most evidence-rich discussion of sexuality uh, to date. And I'm proud of that. Well, I think it's a fabulous book, and you're absolutely right that it's full of great mentions of wonderful research studies, that, which I found very powerful. And I think another strength of the book was that also addressed the common questions that some people have. Perhaps, perhaps I know that sometimes women think about taste of uh, semen, all of those things. And you had like chapters and parts about that, and where you mentioned where you get the information. So I find that whatever question you have, I would be surprised if related to penis owners that you might not be able to find an answer there. And also I know that you have chapters about trauma and how to help your partner if they experience trauma. So right. you're addressing all sorts of different, different challenges that might come up. So where can people purchase the book? Well, it's available at fine booksellers everywhere. You can get it on Amazon or walk into any bookstore and they can get it for you. And one thing, you know, my book is really about sexual pleasure, but it does not shy away from sexual trauma. As you said, there's a chapter about recovery from childhood sex abuse, which people think scars you for life. Well, yes, it does. We all carry scars of trauma at a young age. But the, but the greater message is that people who have suffered childhood sex abuse can recover and they can enjoy a wonderful sex life if they do it in an organized fashion and have therapy. And the same thing with sexual assault. There's a whole new science of sexual assault prevention that has been very successful in cutting uh, sexual assaults by more than half in the military and at colleges. And so I have a chapter about that. And if, unfortunately, if someone does get sexually assaulted, there's a chapter about how to help your lover recover from that. So sex is a many splendored thing. For most people, most of the time, it brings pleasure. For some people, some of the time, it brings pain. Whatever it brings you, you can cure your pain and enjoy more pleasure. The, the book comes out in January of 21, and uh, it's Amazon or any bookstore. 
Well, again, I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of those books that when I read, I, I tend to underline. And I felt like I was underlining every page <laughs> tons of different times. So I, I highly recommend it for anyone who's interested to learn more about male sexuality. And Michael, thank you so much for your time, for coming on the show. And this was a treat for all of us. Nazanin, thank you so much. It was delighted to appear on your program. Thank you. I hope you found our conversation useful. I highly encourage you to purchase Michael's book. It's wealth of wonderful knowledge and whatever topic that you're curious to learn more about, he has a chapter on it. So the other thing I wanted to share with you that if you are in the Clubhouse app, please follow me. My handle is at sexology. Starting this month, I'm facilitating several rooms with one of my dear friends. She's a New York Times bestseller and relationship therapist. And we're talking about all things sex and relationship related. I would love to have you in those rooms. Please again, follow me at Sexology so we can have a conversation in Clubhouse. And as always, I'm so grateful for all of you guys who tuned in and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.